0: Um, we're in this series, and we've been talking about relationships because relationships make the world go round. You have already discovered, no doubt, that you cannot do life without relationship with other people. And relationships can be the most fulfilling, the most, the most exciting, the most you know best part of life. And at the same time, the most painful, the most difficult, conflict, pain. And and so we wanted to talk about the places in our world, in our lives, where. We intersect. And whether it's co workers, whether it's spouses, boyfriends, girlfriends, the family dynamic, wh- whatever that looks like, we've been, we've been examining these different things. And last week, we talked a little bit about how we love kids and how uh, that there's a few things that every kid needs from caring adults. And we said that the two of those were presents, not like gifts and money, but like your, your physical presence would just like when you're on the phone and saying no oh, no but I'm in the same room as you uh, no 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 they can tell when you're actually present or not uh so the presence and also encouraging words now there's some of you that are like I don't have kids and I don't even plan on having kids. Or or you are a kid, and you're thinking, what? why are you talking to me about this, talking to my parents? Um, but then there's others of you that maybe this this evokes some kind of pain or sensitivity. You haven't been able to have kids yet, or maybe your kids are long gone, and you have some regrets or different things like that. There is something for everybody in the next few minutes. We all have some kind of interaction with younger humans. You know, there's a child that is near all of us, whether it's a niece, a nephew, one of these beautiful kids that were up on stage, uh, whether it's you're a, t- a teacher, a coach, or whatever that looks like, there is a child that is near you. There's also a child that's far away, maybe in Huntington Beach, maybe Orange County, maybe around the world, and you, you see injustice, you see kids not being treated well, and I hope it breaks your heart because they are all God's children. And there should be something in us that says that's just not right. We want to care for these children. Maybe you sponsor a kid in some other part of the world. Maybe you show up and you tutor at Pacific Courts with our volunteers or something else like that. And you care about these kids. But then thirdly, there's a child inside you. I quoted Woody Harrelson last week of all people who said (laughs) that adults are just children with layers on just children with layers on, that all of us have this childlike nature that maybe has been beat up, maybe you had to grow up way too fast, maybe you feel you've just been hardened by life and circumstances and by people letting you down. But I know and you know that deep on the inside, you're just a kid. You're just a kid at heart. And so what we're talking about, when we talk about kids, you're gonna be looking inside of you as well and going, man, I wish that I would have had some of that when i was younger and what we're going to finish with is the hope that we serve a god who is bigger than our parents' shortcomings and our shortcomings and even your shortcomings as as you parent your own kids look at this quote from fdr it says we may not be able to prepare the future for our children but we can at least prepare our children for the future one way, one really important way that you can begin to do that, even if you don't yet have kids of your own, is to understand the truths of God and pass them on. To understand God's truths and begin to pass them on. These are truths from God's word, truths from, from life that people have been orienting their lives around for thousands and thousands of years and they're still every bit as relevant to you and I today. Look at this verse in Deuteronomy 6. It says, these commands that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Teach them to your children. Show the value of these things to your kids. Talk about them when you're at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. So as we start out, I just want you to think about a question. What is it that you pass on? whether to your kids, to your nephews and nieces, to anybody that you influence, what is it that you pass on? What is it that other people receive from you? What is it that they receive when they're around you? What is it that you're talking about, love? A love shout out. That's a good answer. What is it that you're talking about when you're at home? When you're when you're on the road, when you're walking, when you're going about life? What is it that, that is quick to come to your mouth? What, what are those things? And what are the ways that you weave the truths of God into your family? Now, if, if this is something and you're feeling like, ah, oh, I'm, I'm disconnected from this, or I'm not very good at this, or I'm not where I want to be, it's okay. That's why we talk about it. The reality is that sometimes life is difficult, and relationships are crazy, and kids are crazy, and we feel a little bit like a guy that I saw a video clip of, and I wanted to show you this clip. Watch this.
1: It is good to be here. I uh, recently became a father. Thank you. Became a father for the fourth time. Never so much applause on that part no applause, right? Because after the third kid, people stop congratulating you. Then they just treat you like you're Amish. Four? Well, that's one way to live your life. Can you build us one of those wood fireplaces? Four kids. Bedtime is a crisis. That's why I'm here right now. It's too hard. They act like they've never been to sleep before. Bed? What's that? No, I don't want to do that. Then it becomes some hostage negotiation. But in reverse. Look, if you stay in there, I will give you whatever you want. I will meet your demands. What do you want, a helicopter to Cuba? Anything. Just stay in there one awake like they're taking shifts all right I'll annoy them from midnight to two who wants three to six now let's lie down and practice kicking them in our sleep because my wife has instituted this open-door policy where if one of our kids has a nightmare they're welcome to come in our room and pee in our bed Luckily, that only happens every night. You ever slept next to someone that's wet the bed? Delicious. <laughs> You're asleep, right? So when you wake up, your first thought is, Oh my God, I wet the bed! Then your next thought is, eh, "That's not that way. I'll just scoot over a little bit. If I pretend to be asleep, maybe she'll deal with it. I didn't even notice that. Hey, while you're up, can you make me a sandwich? (laughs) Thanks, honey. It is chaos at home. I feel like I'm living with a bunch of drunk people. Everyone's wetting the bed, screaming. It's Jersey Shore, folks. It's like Jersey Shore with a lot more sunscreen.
0: Yeah, I don't exactly know how to transition from that, um, but, uh, but what we're talking about in this, this week is that there's five things that every kid needs. Uh, presence and encouraging words is what we hit last week. The next thing that every kid needs is delicate discipline, delicate discipline. Biblical discipline is more about guidance than it is punishment, Biblical discipline is more about guidance than punishment. Look at this verse in Ephesians 6. It says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Guidance in love, not discipline in anger. There's a big difference. There are some parents that have been using one particular verse for a lot of years to justify beating their kids, And it's this verse that says, do not spare the rod. And that excites some guys that are like, I won't spare the rod. This kid is going to get the rod. But what that literally means, when it talks about it in the Old Testament, the rod is related to shepherds. Shepherds had them. And they used to do what for their sheep? They would use it to guide their sheep in ways and in paths that were safe. They weren't beating sheep. They didn't own the sheep. They were working for somebody else. They were just stewards of the sheep trying to keep them alive. Guidance. Guide your children down a path that honors God. Now, that's not, I'm not necessarily saying that you shouldn't spank. My parents spanked me. I, I, I spanked Jack with a belt. He, uh, he's, I'm just kidding. He's one. Uh, <laughs> I use a tree branch. Um, (laughs) Our bodies are fragile, but our hearts are even more fragile. Guidance in love, not discipline in anger. Kids shouldn't fear you. They shouldn't cower when you're coming toward them. The Bible says that perfect love drives out fear. Now, when you discipline your kids you don 't want to discipline them in anger anger when you 're angry and you 're yelling at them kids can 't hear your words. It just sounds like bah, bah, scariness. they sense your spirit, and when you lose control, they lose respect uh, from personal experience, growing up extended family and seeing being in youth ministry and church work for a while i 've seen a lot, and I can tell you with confidence yelling doesn't work it's not an effective strategy to communicating even the famous basketball coach phil jackson says that enemy or anger is the enemy of instruction it doesn't get you where you think you want to be instead of yelling instead of getting angry calm down and communicate. One of the things that my dad used to do. I have two younger brothers, and when he would get mad at us, he would say, "Go to your room, so I don't blow up and kill you." You know, I mean, and if we like hesitated, he was like, "Go to your room," and the mom would be like, "Oh, no, 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 go to your room. Go to your. Come on, it's, it's it's time to go to your room." And he would just give himself some space to calm down, take a breath. Remember the bigger story, have some perspective, make sure that he was guiding us in love instead of just reacting in anger. One of the keys to guiding and disciplining with love is establishing clear consequences. Consequences are a huge part of parenting, kids must understand consequences. My dad literally took the wooden spoon, he spanked us with a wooden spoon. And he literally took, and with a sharpie wrote on it, consequence, <laughs> to make it good and clear. I don't take joy in beating your backside. I'm doing this because you chose this path knowing that there was a negative consequence. He, he, my dad cried often when he was spanking us. But it was, he was communicating that I don't like doing this. But we established this path, and we said that if you do this, you get this benefit. If you do this, the opposite of what we want you to do, there is this consequence. And he had to be consistent and follow through, otherwise we would be insecure and not know what was right and wrong. And so he made it clear, this is the consequence for that action. You might say something like, if you disrespect or disobey your mother, no more SpongeBob for a week, or whatever the consequences are, it's They must be clear, they must be communicated in advance, and you must consistently follow through. They must understand, kids need to understand, that pain follows poor choices. The kids that never learned that growing up just fall into more and more and more pain, and it's more severe, and it's riskier the older that they get. Teach children young that pain follows poor choices choices it doesn't have to be physical pain it's just a consequence of whatever the situation calls for there's some of you moms that are such great mothers uh, and you make your kids lunch or dad makes lunch and then you take them to school and the kid forgot his lunch by the door or in the car and so you thinking that you're being a wonderful mom you pull off and you go and you take the lunch to the kid but the kid needs to learn that if the kid forgets his lunch he's going to be hungry and then he won't forget his lunch the next time. I understand, though, that if your kid is in junior high or high school, showing up with the lunch might be the exact consequence that you want to instill in this child. When I was in seventh grade, my mom showed up. as the first week of school at this new junior high school, and, and I forgot my lunch. And she showed up, and there she was after first period in the hallway. I don't know how long she'd been waiting, but I came around the corner from my classroom and was like, Oh God, please no, it's not, it can't be. And so I was just, I kind of just saw her out of the corner of my eye and I'm just with my friends and I'm walking, I'm pretending and then I just kind of steer off real quick to where mom is and I'm just thinking, okay, okay, thanks, got it, got it, got it, got it, go. And right as she's about to turn and go, Carly comes around the corner, who's the hottest girl in school, and sees me taking my lunch from my mom. And I was mortified. But I never forgot my lunch again. Clear, clear. Consequences communicated in advance. If you do this, this is going to be the byproduct. This is going to be the result. This is going to be what happens. When you are consistent with consequences, you actually build your kid's self-esteem. They actually begin to learn that if I make good choices, good things happen. I have some control in life. If I make poor choices, bad things happen. I don't want the bad things, so I'm going to choose these, the good things, and I'm going to go down this path. Look at this verse in Proverbs 3. It says, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father the son he delights in. Yes, kids need discipline. We're doing them no favors when they grow up not learning the consequences of their decisions. But when you discipline a kid, ask yourself this question, is this coming from a place of love and guidance? Or is this coming from anger? Is this coming from love? Or is this coming from something else? Kids need your delicate discipline. Kids also need your patience. Philippians 1.6 says, I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Some of you need to put that verse on your bathroom mirror or write it on a card and put it in your wallet because you were going through things in your life, in circumstances, uh, maybe with your kids, and it doesn't feel like you are making any kind of a difference, you were making an impact. It doesn't feel like things are going in the right direction. And you need to remember that what God begins, he will carry, he will continue through until he comes again. So these parents that stand up here with their children, does it mean that they're gonna be perfect parents? No. Does it mean that their kids are going to make all the right decisions? No. But what they're saying is, God, this is your kid. We're going to do the very best we can, and we're going to trust and believe that what you're beginning now, you will carry to completion because you love this kid more than I do. This is your kid. I'm going to do the very best that I can to honor you and to do right by them. But I'm going to be patient because they're not always going to make the right decisions. Jack, uh, baby Jack, our kid just turned one, and we took him to his pediatrician last week because we're the eager new parents that never miss an appointment. It's like nine months, got it? Twelve months, got it? We're, so we're there. So we've we've got to know his pediatrician pretty well this year. And we were there, and this last week it was the same as all the other appointments this year with this nice, nice doctor. He he does his deal. He checks out Jack. They weigh him. They do all the stuff. And then he tells us about all the problems that he's having in his family, because he knows that I'm a pastor, and so we're kind of connecting on that level. And, and he's like, oh, so, you know, my daughter is still, you know, going down this this road. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. His daughter is 18 years old, and she's still living at home, and she she's... They stood with her on a stage like this 18 years ago and dedicated her, and she made some kind of a decision to walk with God and, and wanted to be in a relationship with God and try to live his way, but now she has more or less, it seems, from his description, gone off the deep end, and she's 18, still living at home, but she has this older boyfriend who he thinks is also married, and he doesn't know what to do, and he's he's. They've been very clear with her about this situation, and she refuses to change or to shift. And, and so what he told me that he's been doing lately is that he's been sitting in a chair underneath her room, which is on the second floor, and he just prays for her, He prays for her every single morning, that God would get through to her, that God would continue the work that he began, and he patiently prays. And he guides and he loves and he makes clear what he, what he believes and what he thinks, but he doesn't reject or shun her or send her away. He did set one really clear consequence, one really clear boundary. He said, as long as you're living in our home, you will be home by 11 p.m. You will not sleep at his house or anywhere else. You, this is where you will sleep at night as long as you're here. And the consequence is if you don't, then you can't live here anymore. And he's made that clear. But then he just prays. Because right now, in this season, if you take a snapshot of his family, of many of our families, it might not look good now. But if you can be patient and trust that I just keep doing the best I can, God, and I believe that what you began, you are going to carry to completion. Another way of saying it is this. The process doesn't always look like progress. The process doesn't always look like progress. Sometimes it feels like you're going backwards or sideways and not forwards. But to have patience in the middle of it and know that God is bigger still. You might not think that you can handle any more, but God is bigger. And when your endurance, when your decision to, have, to be patient, to persevere, when your endurance becomes a priority, peace becomes a reality. When your endurance becomes a priority, peace becomes a reality. You cannot have peace in your home without having peace in your heart. I know people that are trying, they're trying to fix the situation in their house and it's a mess and it's chaos. and it's, ah, We just need to do this or we just need to, or this happened or we just shift this and tweak this. and make. But the reality is there's chaos inside of them. And she's trying to mix and fake and you know fix and all this kind of stuff. And really, what she needs to do, what I need to do, what we need to do is just to trust God that we're in this part of the story, but he's bigger and the story is broader and that he will work things together for good and that he will continue what he began. And peace in your heart, will lead to peace in your home. Kids need delicate discipline. They need your patience. And kids need your ongoing affection. Romans twelve ten says, Love each other with a genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Now, when Jack was born, it was this crazy time. And I remember the doctor taking Jack... Like hosing him off or something like that. And, and then putting him on Hillary, on his mom's chest. Because he needed immediate skin time, is the way they put it. And so there was like, no one else could come in the room. Nothing else happens. It's skin time. Mama and baby, boom, skin And as a dad, you could get a little bit jealous and think, what's the deal? I can't have some skin time or what's the I mean, is this this just the mama thing, like mechanisms and no dad thing? But I was actually very fine with it because I was still horizontal with ice on my forehead after having passed out. So, you know, just take your time. You guys have your moment because a purple alien just came out of you. I've known you a long time and I've never seen that. And uh, I'm not quite sure what to do with this <laughs> for guys the this affection thing is it doesn't come as naturally w- women have like sonar if like their child is crying somewhere anywhere in the world it's like what's wrong you know i mean it just you just know and you just show love and you're just affectionate and it seems at least to me that it comes easier to you but guys in many cases, have a, have a more difficult time showing showing affection. The first thing that my dad would say any that I got hurt or was crying would be, shake it off. <laughs> shake that thing off. You got a game to play. Let's go, get back up and do this thing. I remember I was playing in soccer and I stepped in a sprinkler hole and turned my ankle and I was in pain. And I was like, dad, I don't think I can go anymore. And he's like, shake it off, we need you. Let's go, we're down two. Let's get some goals, you know? And I was like, I can't, I just... Can't play, and he got a little bit mad. He was like, "Go go sit in the car." And then, and he felt bad the next day when mom took me and got an X ray, and that thing was fractured. I'll tell you what, but that's the, the that's the deal. It's like <laughs> we have a tendency, we have a tendency as guys to be like, "Shake it off, you, you're a dude, like be tough." And and you, we come by it honestly because dad and dad before him, and they they showed even less affection and that whatever. And so right, right. I mean, we're not blaming anybody. It's just the way it is. But kids need your affection dad kids need your affection it can't just be mom you need to figure this out you can be like like way down here with it just as long as you're willing to take one step in that direction they need affection from from dad when dad messes this up boys don't learn how to handle their emotions and girls don't learn how to handle their sexuality they need dad to be present to be affectionate to show love i have a good friend named leon he's got four girls and a boy four girls and a boy and and he is such a great dad he I, I've, I've been in their home a number of times, and I just watch him. He just sits in his couch in his chair, and he just lets his daughters come and just climb all over him, and they, he watches terrible shows, you know, reality shows with them, and it just, I don't know how he does it, but he just, he just holds them and loves them and kisses them before bed, and he's just a great dad in that respect. And he told me one time, he said, "I give them all the love and the affection that they can handle." Because I know that if I don't, they will find it somewhere else. His girls now are one is married, one is graduated, two are in Pepperdine. I think they're just healthy girls who know their value and know that they're loved because they get it from their dad. Dads, be affectionate. Be affectionate. You need to be emotionally available to your kids, even when your kids get to that teenage time in life and they pretend that they don't want it and they're like oh stop don't hug me this is embarrassing am i getting this right is this something like- stop don't come on there's people around there's don't touch me they don't mean it they need it they want it they want your affection they want your love just just give it all the more you know just wrap just kiss that pimply face just get in there Just love them. Don't let them loose. They say no. It's like the Heisman Trophy. They're like saying, yes, I need it. And then they're trying to pretend with a stiff arm that they don't. But they really do. They crave it. Be the parent. Embrace them. Love them. Hold them. Show them your love. Five things that every kid needs from caring adults are your presence, your encouraging words, your delicate discipline, your patience, and your ongoing affection. Now for those of you who aren't yet parents or your kids are out of the house or you're trying to figure out how to apply this or what do I do, we have ways that you can love kids here in this church. You can volunteer with our kids. There's a bunch of volunteers that are, that are doing a lesson right now and playing games and pointing kids toward God right now, all three services every single week. You can volunteer in that way or with junior high kids or with high school students, whatever it looks like. You can be a mentor figure. There's a role for you to play and even if you don't do that, you need to understand that you are still influencing, that people, younger people are watching you and they care about the example that you set and they want to know that you care. It's just how God designed us. Now, you can do all these things, and these five things that we talked about are important, and they're all necessary, and they're real. They're principles of of how God designed our lives and relationships and how we are to parent. And you can do those things, and you can be the world's greatest parent. But I want you to know that God designed all these truths to be lived out in a relationship with him. That even if you think you're the world's greatest parent, you still have a fundamental problem that you were born disconnected from God. And all the principles and the purposes and the tools and the tricks and the self-help and all that stuff, while most of it is true and real and good, it's not enough to fix your fundamental brokenness. And that's that you need connection with God. He designed you for that. He designed you as his child first the bible says that god loves you like a dearly loved child you are his child that he sent jesus the whole story the gospel is simply that he sent jesus to die to reconnect you because of your brokenness because of all of our sin because we can't fix ourselves and he died so that we could be reconnected with him forever for eternity Forgive us of all the ways that we fail and that we will continue to fail as parents and in every other aspect of our lives. That is the good news, that everything is forgiven, that you can't be perfect on your own. Yes, apply all the principles. Yes, be a better parent. But do it understanding the grace and the love of the God who is your Heavenly Father. I want to pray just right now and invite you, if you're not sure where you stand with this God, I want to give you an opportunity just to talk to him and maybe just to say, yes, I, I do want a relationship with you, my heavenly father. Maybe your parents let you down in the past in different ways. Maybe not. Maybe they were great parents. Maybe they gave you a good example of who this loving God is. But he wants a relationship with you. And then the rest of us, maybe it's just an attitude of surrender saying, God, I don't, I don't have kids yet, or maybe my kids are out of the house, but I, I, I want to live my life obedient to you. I want to live my life in a way that honors you. Would you pray with me? God, thank you that you are our creator, that you do love us as dearly loved children. And thank you that you love our kids and the kids around us even more than we possibly could. We pray for your wisdom and your guidance as we attempt to love them and guide them and point them toward you and to help them be, grow up into being all that you designed them to be we also recognize that we can't do this life apart from you that when we try to live our own way it just gets messy so we want a connection with you we ask you to forgive us for our own sin and brokenness in our life and help us to walk with you today and every day we trust God that you are the God whose presence is real and we can feel it whose encouragement is like food for our soul, whose discipline is gentle and good, whose patience endures forever, and whose affection literally brings our hearts to life. We are grateful for you, and we desire to live in relationship first and foremost with you. In Jesus' name.